Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just a massive thank you to however you are listening to this. Now, normally we try to do a podcast two, three times a week, although you probably would have noticed already that during the coronavirus lockdown, we've only been doing one episode a week. We hope to change that soon. Uh, We'll have to wait and see. But the best way to keep up to date with the latest podcast episodes is to subscribe. And while you're there, why not drop us a review? It really does help other people who might enjoy the podcast find us. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. We are back after a week away. It's been two weeks since we did a podcast last and in those two weeks we've had two weekends of rugby. I mean, what a treat that's been. Two rounds of Welsh derbies and so I'm joined today by Mork, Mark Orders. Mork? Mork Orders? That's, um, that's a Robin Williams character, isn't it? From a, from a, <laughs> yeah, Mork and Mindy. Yeah, yeah, from a sitcom long <laughs> before my time, uh, I'd like to add. I'm joined by Mark Orders to go through those two rounds of Welsh derbies. Um, what did you make of them, first of all, Mark, as a, as a general sort of overview? I, I think the first thing to say, it was, it was really good to see sort of rugby being played in Wales again been a long time and I do think people have missed it they they, they missed the just the excitement of following their, their 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 teams and yeah I enjoyed the games to be honest the um, the scarlets were, uh, were were really really good against uh, Cardiff Blues and quite enjoyed aspects of their display against the the Dragons you know the um, Ospreys uh, Dragons game that was uh, first half of that was quite good before descending into uh, well mediocrity really in the second half is with George North sent off it turned into a bit of an arm wrestle and Dragon struggled to break the Ospreys down and yeah and um, yeah I think overall you know it, it kind of confirmed really that um, what what we already knew that um, the Scarlets are both far and away the strongest side in Wales um, at the other end of the scale the Ospreys are going through a a really tough time at the moment and could take a, a bit of a while uh, for things to settle uh, under their uh, new coaching regime there. Um, not to say it won't settle, but, um, you know, it could take a little while to leave with players going off and uh, with their test commitments. And then the Blues and the and the Dragons may be somewhere in between. Um, so, yeah, overall, I, I quite enjoyed the matches. Yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll probably delve into sort of the fortunes of each region one by one a little bit but I suppose the, the first thing to sort of talk about is, is what the, the the experiences were like wasn't it because um, you were at Lib- the Libsy Stadium for the first weekend the, the Dragons-Ospreys game I managed to get to the Parker Scarlets and Rodney Parade um, for for was it the Scarlets-Dragons game on, on the Saturday um, and, and yeah it was, it was an odd experience wasn't it arriving at Stadiums I, and being, being able to park next to the stadium for a start was a, it was a nice sort of luxury. But yeah, beyond that, you know, with all the, the temperature taken and, well, in your case, the, the, the pumped in crowd noise in Swansea, wasn't it? It was an odd experience. I mean, uh, you sort of, you drove into the, um, into the Liberty Stadium and you, you were directed to sort of, uh, the only, only one car park was pretty much open and, you know, there weren't that many cars there and, we sort of got out and uh, and then you were looking around and people sort of uh, in masks and slowly the Dragons players started to arrive all masked up and then we had our temperatures taken and uh, shown to our seats and yeah, and then you had this sort of fake noise sort of uh, pumped into the into the stadium or pit side really throughout the game, which is a bit odd because... Uh, uh, it kind of didn't reflect what was going on. There was a, 
it, it, there was a sort of a, just a constant uh, noise at the same level. And uh, while well, you know you've got to applaud people for having a go, and I, th- I think that um, yeah, I, I mean, but it, it was a bit sort of disconcerting in some respects, as I say. Um, George North was sent off, and uh, there, there was no noise at, at all, and that was unusual as well. And so yeah, the experience was different. But as I say, you know, just great really to um, to see some rugby again, and you know, friendly faces down there as well. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, let, let's let's get into the teams then. I, I guess the place to start is is the Scarlets because, as we mentioned before, they still are the Welsh region to beat, aren't they? I mean. They've had another new coach. They well, this is their third coach in pretty much as as, as many years, and in, in two seasons technically, yeah. isn't it? If you think that this season isn't finished when Glenn Delaney came in, and yet it hasn't affected them in the slightest, has it? Yeah, it hasn't. I I, I don't think. I, I think with the Scarlet, Frankie, I, I rewind five or six years, and um, it's at the height of the political strife in Wales and the regions. Uh, we're playing each other on on Judgment Day, a Judgment Day, and I remember Alan Wynn um, turning up, and, and somebody asked the question of him. You know, I don't know. The Ospreys had won eight or nine derbies on the bounce, and question was asked of him. Well, you know, how important is it to to sort of stay ahead of the rest of the pack in Wales? And he said, Well, he said, you know, there's got to be bigger objectives than that, bigger goals than that. Uh, I kind of think that with the Scarlets. I mean, clearly they're they're a fair way ahead of of the other regions at the moment in terms of their depth, the way they play the game, uh, the, the the quality that they have. Um, but I think they'll probably be looking, uh, and they'll be a bit more ambitious, and they want to think well. We want to start doing well in Europe again. Obviously, it's difficult because of the money issues and things like that. And um, when Toulon came down to play them, I think in January, um, might have been might have been before that actually. But when Toulon played them in Thanetly, um they gave them a, a pretty much a good going over. Um, but that's what money brings you. And I think the Scarlets know they're the best in Wales, but I think they want a bit more. But yeah, you know, for sure, you know, they're uh, they're cut above um, the other regions right now, and they should be as well. They, you know, they reputedly get a bit m- more money as well to help them, um, uh, and their squad does have that depth. Well, that's the thing. You, know, you talk about the depth. Um, I think it was before the the Blues game. I, we were sat there in the press box, and we, we we were just sort of counting the amount of forwards who weren't named in the in the squad that day who. Who could come in and, and feasibly you could have another twenty three from who from aside from the, the team that played the blues, you know. Lewis Rawlins in the second row has probably been the Scarlet's best forward across these two games. He's, he's the unsung hero of the pack, and yet you think of the players they got to come back, Tex Rotuva, um or you know, all manner of sort of forwards who who could come in and there's no guarantee he'll start when they play Toulon. No, no, there, there's there, there's not an um, that's key, really, um, and it always has been, whether it be football or rugby, really. Um, and, and developing that depth, um, really, to enable you to sort of bring quality players onto the field for quality players who, who are who are sort of leaving the field. And South Africa showed it against England in the World Cup final. 
And the Scarlets can do it um, to a point at the moment. I mean, in that Blues game, they brought Ken Owens, Jake Ball, and James Davis off the bench. And, you know, they, there, was a, there was a contrast. Um, I looked, um, you know, at the Ospreys, and they weren't bring, bringing those kind of players off. They were bringing, oh, sorry, onto the field um, when they played the Dragons. They were bringing youngsters on. And that kind of thing... That kind of thing tells because it's, it's a cliche, but it, you know the game goes on eighty minutes, and if you, if you can bring players of the quality of I don't know Jake Ball, Ken Owens, and the like on after fifty odd minutes, then you know they're the opposition they're going to have a tough time um, in the sort of final quarter. Um, so yeah, that that is key, and 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 they are trying to sort of develop it, and you know I, I think as well you know they. are Really ambitious down there at um, board level as well, and yeah, it's probably quite exciting times really um, for their supporters in the seasons ahead. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, obviously, the p- people like Sean Fitzpatrick coming into the, the region is always good to see. Um, I guess the other thing is, it looks like Glenn Delaney's got them playing with a lot of freedom and and a lot of enjoyment in in their rugby. And I suppose no player embodies that more than than Steph Evans at the minute. Yeah, he's 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 been really really good all season really, and um, when you when you consider you know, you rewind the clock sort of I don't know it would be fifteen odd months and he was um, just having a bit of a tough time of plus eighteen months he was just having a bit of a tough time and I think he only played I think he only started four league games um, uh, when Wayne. Pivak was coaching down there. Um, I don't know why. Maybe he'd been carrying bumps, I think, at the start of that season. Anyway, there were questions over his defence, but he's really, really sort of uh, got his act together. And he, he does, he plays with that kind of freedom. And uh, he's such a creative player. And, uh, you know, no one's comparing him with Shane, but if, what, what Steph does, he pops up in, in different areas. And um, in the manner of Shane in years gone by, Shane Williams, and uh, it's such a boost to his side, and 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 he could be, you know, hugely inventive. And um, I think he scored what nine tries is it this season in the league, and just giving them a cutting edge, but a confidence as well. And uh, the Scots know when they get the ball to him, he'll sort of challenge and perhaps beat the first line of defence and create space for either himself or for others. And and, and really good. And uh, the guy, it wasn't just about him actually uh, as a as a wing for the Scots. I thought McNichol had really uh, a good couple of games, and it was it was good to see as well because he came into the Wales setup, Johnny McNichol, and um, he didn't sort of. Uh, Shall we say set the world alight? But he is a good player and he's a good finisher, and um, he showed that for the Scarlets as well. And yeah, I, I thought uh, I thought he was, he was really good as well uh, in the two matches. So great to see. And uh, as you sort of say, you know, they got Liam Williams to come back into the mix, either playing on a wing or at full back, and it's, it's just never ending, really. Yeah, it's interesting balance they got there with with McNichol and Evans because you know Evans, as you say, sort of goes. Goes on the prowl looking for opportunities. McNichol's got this thing, and he he sort of just runs back across the pitch, doesn't he? A lot and looking for that gap, and and often it looks sort of aimless, but it does really help them get meters and and find little half gaps. I think 
Ed Kennedy's try against the Blues came from that, from McNichol sort of going against the grain and, and finding an offload to Steph Evans. So they've it, it looks a bit aimless, but it, it, there's a lot of thought behind it. Um, in terms of other sort of impressive figures at the Scarlets, there's, there's a few uncapped boys who potentially could come into to Wayne Pivak's thinking. I mean, Josh McLeod was imperious against the Blues and, and, and has been all season, in, in fairness to him. Kieran Hardy, um, with Thomas Williams' injury, you'd assume is the third choice scrum half. And then Johnny Williams, who uh, 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 has taken very little time to sort of fill that Hadley Parks role in the Scarlet's midfield. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Josh McLeod... He's, he hasn't sort of, he wasn't. It kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, there again, Wales got a you know, back row riches, and particularly um, at number seven. It sort of mildly surprised me a little bit that he, he didn't get a look in um, earlier this season. But uh, he's kept knocking on the door. And, um, I mean, 23 turnovers in the um, in, in the Pro 14, which is a, a long way clear, really. Um Oh, I think it's Ollie Robinson on 16. But a long way clear, and he's, he's been outstanding. And it hasn't just been about his work over the ball, you know, his defence. I think before the last round of tackles, uh, were, uh, sorry, last round of matches, 150 tackles from him. His support plays good. And uh, so he'll be there or thereabouts, and um, he's become increasingly uh, assured on the pitch as well. And uh, when when you know they see him coming on, you know they they know that he can snaffle these key turnovers that are so important, you know, to the Scarlets and sort of uh, allowing them to play the way they want to, and they're really dangerous off uh, turnover ball, and you know that that can help hugely. And um, so I I, I think uh, I think he'll be there or thereabouts. Um, Kieran Hardy, yeah, for me, for me, there was no. Absolute standout scrum half um, over those four matches. Reese Webb was really, really good um, for the Ospreys against the Dragons, um, and Kieran Hardy was, you know, he, he was he was sound over both matches. I thought it was a pretty much a, a sort of a, a score draw, if you like, against Rodri Williams um, last weekend. Lloyd Williams had a decent game as well, but Lloyd doesn't seem, you know, perhaps for Lloyd, you know, he doesn't seem to be flavour of the month or uh, anymore with the world selectors. Um, so yeah, you know, maybe Kieran Hardy has, has just edged up uh, closer to taking that um, third spot, um, given Thomas Williams's injury. Um, Yes, there's, there's no doubt. You know, they they have got some really good youngsters down there uh, at the Scarlet. Absolutely, and yeah, Johnny Williams. Johnny Williams, yeah, could, well, could it, be another one who who, who 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 forced his way into the Wales squad quite quickly. Yeah, it, yeah, he was he was really uh, really good against Cardiff Blues. Um, Nick Tompkins stood out as well, mind for the uh, the Dragons. I thought he was quite good, and I thought I thought he was the. Uh, the eye-catching centre, really, in the, in the Dragons-Scarlets um, game. But Johnny Williams is clearly a guy with a bit to offer, uh, more than a bit, actually, and he's going to um, be there or thereabouts. And, yeah, it's really good as well for for the selectors because um, John Davis is, is 32, I think, now, and, you know, over the next couple of years, maybe, you know, they'll, they'll be looking to sort of... Uh, add to their depth in, in the centre. And so Johnny Williams, a good call of his, 
uh, to come down from Newcastle Falcons and yeah, put himself in the mix. Um, you see, you look down there as well. They they got some players we didn't even see um, in in these two matches. Um, who I think are going to be there or thereabouts in the years ahead. I mean, I look at that uh, Jack Morgan. I I just think as a as a number seven, maybe as a six. Um, he's an outstanding player and um, he's got it all. Um, you know, in, t- in terms of ability of the ball, sort of. Uh, yeah, sort of tackling. He takes responsibility. He's a really good player, and I would say within, I don't know, it probably won't be the year ahead, but he's he's going to push himself, I guess, you know, there or thereabouts into the mix for the world, next World Cup. Indeed, and you mentioned Nick Tompkins there, so let's move on to the Dragons. Um, obviously, one one draw against the Ospreys, and then one fairly comprehensive defeat against the Scarlets. I mean. It's clear to see what Dean Ryan's doing there, and there are signs of improvement. But I guess the biggest issue they had, and that, that this was shown against the Scarlets, is there's a lack of depth in the front five. Yeah, it, it, yeah, absolutely. He wanted to um, expose those young guys, like uh, I think he had three twenty-one-year-olds in his in his front five. I think he wanted to expose those guys. Um, to some kind of uh, scrummaging test uh, against the uh, the Scarlets, and, and they certainly got one. And um, with uh, the likes of Wynn Jones and Samson Lee and Jake Ball, really, I can now Wynn's really playing well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's an issue for the uh, Dragons. Uh, ongoing rumours about them signing Will Rowlands um, when the season in England finishes. That will if that did come to pass, then that that would uh, beef up um, beef them up in the second row. I think they do still need. Uh, I think they're a, a proper two light uh, below their uh, specialists, um, uh, their front liners, and uh, yeah, I mean maybe that's a, a sort of an ongoing project for Dean Ryan. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Those young kids really, really were were put through this sort of mincer. And you can't blame them. I mean, crikey, every every proper life would have had a lesson like that at some stage. Um, I suppose the, the test will be if they uh, if they learn those lessons, you know. Yeah, I suppose you, you say that. I mean, it's only what three, two, three years ago, Leon Brown had a had a real sort of lesson of his own against Georgia at the um, at the Prince Valley Stadium for Wales, and. He's really come on in the last year. And once again, against the Ospreys, um, he's got a knack of scoring fairly long-distance tries against the Ospreys, hasn't he? He has, yeah. He's, he's, I, I, you know, for me, I, he's really good around the, the pitch in terms of his, his running with ball in hand. And, crikey, you wouldn't want him to face someone like that in the last 20 minutes. I, I still think there may be a few unanswered questions about his scrummaging. Um, against the the very best, um, so Judy uh, might still be out in there on that one, even though he has sort of made progress. Um, but he's he's a good player, uh, I'd say. It, uh, the old adage, I think it, it'll apply really uh, for as long as the game is played. You know, you still got to be particularly a tight end. You still got to be absolutely solid in the scrums and. Um, yeah, I mean, Mervyn, they've got on there. Mervyn Davis as a, as a forwards coach now and a scrum specialist, I think. And 
Mevin, uh, Mevin knows, uh, knows that area back to front. And so I would expect uh, Leon Brown to take uh, a further leap forward um, in the coming seasons. Um, and he probably needs to as well in, in the tight. But yeah, you know, what he offers around the field is, is really good. See, they got, they've, they've also got European interest um, coming up. I mean, it doesn't get much tougher than, than Bristol. You know, you look at the players Bristol have got at the minute. But to be fair, the Dragons, there's there's a few players that the Dragons didn't put out over these two derbies. Obviously, Jamie Roberts wasn't involved um, for obvious reasons. Jonah Holmes, they just signed um, Bateman. So th- th- there's more to come, isn't there? Oh, there, there is, and uh, for sure, you know. Um, Ollie Griffiths is injured, unfortunately. I, we don't know when he's returning. But they've got... Uh, quality in the back row. I thought Aaron Wainwright uh, played well in these games, came off the bench against the Ospreys and really caught the eye with a couple of strong runs and um, behind a sort of retreating pack against the Scarlets, uh, he did a really good job. And that's a week after uh, Ross Moriarty had, had stood out um, against the Ospreys in the second half and he was name-checked by uh, Dean Ryan. He really brought some bite to uh, the Dragons' back row and uh, Tim Bash has been doing really well all season. So they, they have got a uh, good player. Matthew Screech worked hard as well throughout the uh, the two games and um, yeah, I know he, he won some award, didn't he, as a uh, Iron Man award with the uh, the Pro 14 for almost being ever present throughout the season, and yeah, yeah I think he's, he's only uh, missed 39 minutes across the whole season. That's a, that's incredible, um, incredible performance, really. Um, but yeah, so I I think you know if, if they could snap, if they could get I don't know Will Rollins in at some point, that, that would that would be great for them. Um, but yeah, uh, with the likes of Jamie Roberts uh, behind the uh, the scrum that will really anchor things and uh, the two halfbacks are good Rodri Williams and, and, and Sam and so yeah I, I, I you know Bristol Bristol will be a challenge and you know it's a, it's a complete mismatch in terms of finance really when Bristol can go out and sign someone like you know, Rad Radra um, uh, that is um, it's just sort of mind-blowing you know arguably uh, the best player in the world and um he offered so much as well, so it, uh, yeah, that that will be that would be a, a test for the dragons. But um, you know, they they've they've actually done well to uh, to get there. And uh, if if they uh, if, if if they manage an upset, it would be it would be a surprise, um, borderline astonishing. But uh, yeah, with good players coming back, you know, they'll uh, they still have a good crack at it. Indeed, it's important to remember quite where the dragons are along this whole process. I mean. It's it's one thing getting the sort of players they can they've they've attracted so far, which you know improves the run on fifteen. But you, you look at when the Scarlets won the Pro Twelve, it's a, it's about having the squad, isn't it? And I think they're still a little bit away from that. But you know, people like Tame Basham, he he certainly won who could come into contention for Wales. He was he was named in the squad last year, wasn't he, for the Barbarians by Wayne Pivak, and and since then he, his performances have, have still been up to that sort of quality he, he, he is a, an absolute specimen isn't he you don't realise just quite how sort of physically imposing he is until you sort of see him in the flesh I think I think that's that's the thing with him he um, 
if, if, if you look at his stats almost on a weekly basis or over, over the season, you see all these sort of um, clean breaks and offloads and passes and, and things like that. But he's, he's got a really sort of wide skill set and he's not afraid to sort of take on the uh, the dirty jobs and, and, and put his head where it hurts as well. And I mean, a performance that really struck me was against Cardiff Blues over Christmas. And uh, the Blues are a really, really good um, turnover side there. I would say they must be close to being... The best in uh, not only the Pro 14, possibly in Europe over the ball. They um, they all have a go at it, and particularly with the likes of Ollie Roms and Will Boyd in the um, back row. Um, but when they uh, faced the Dragons over Christmas, um, Tain Basham won four turnovers, and he, he, he was just outstanding. And... Um, brave, courageous, showing good technique and he sort of showed you know, in that game that um, he, he's about a lot more than than just, a, he has more than just an attacking game and he has got a wide skill set, he's brave and he's really willing to have a go and he's, he's going to be a really, really good player if if he kicks on, of course you know, he's, he's only 20 years of age Let's let's move on to the, the Cardiff Blues then, because it was sort of a mixed sort of couple of weekends wasn't it I mean the Scarlets they, they were never really in that match um, they, they really struggled as, as they have tended to with the game line that's that's their main issue isn't it, it, it is getting over the game line I think they was it 40% 46% of their ball I think I saw some stat on Twitter 46% of their ball they, they didn't get over the game line which is just in, just incredible um, you, you can't you can't win matches on that and, and with the back line they've got you need to either get over the gain line or, or, or more importantly, you need quick ball. Otherwise, that back line can be shut shut down because it, it just becomes too lateral. And I think that's the problem the Blues have had for a long time. And you'd hope that the signings of Corey Hill and, and getting Josh Navidi back would remedy that. But it, it still looks like they got some work to do on that front, doesn't it? Well, it does, yeah. And there's been a question over the, uh, the Blues pack for... For a number of years, but again, we we go back to the the, the budget issue. I guess you know they're not in a position to really. Uh, I don't think they're not they're in any kind of position to go shopping at Harrods, no Welsh regional really um, at the moment. So um, it's a question of sort of uh, seeing uh, who who they can afford, and um, they brought in Sam Ort number eight, and it'd be really really interesting to see. Uh, what kind of player uh, he develops into? Um, you know, Blues once had. I'm not, I'm not saying Moore's going to develop into Xavier Rush, but once the, they had Xavier Rush, and he was such a great player um, for the Blues with his ability to sort of crash over that game line and sort of get the ball back quickly and and so on and so forth. And if you if you got a player like that doing his stuff um, almost every game. Um, You've always got a chance, and um, uh, Scarlets have got three of them in, in, in the back row at number eight, Carmaphone, they played Thompson and Kasim. So, you know, again, uh, they're, they're sort of fortunate in that respect. Um, but with the Blues, I think that um, I thought the player who, uh, I thought the scrum held up really against the Ospreys after a, a sticky sort of start. They, they really hit back, and I think that. Um, Dimitri Arhip, uh, I thought he had a, a really good game, and uh, he was uh, 
he was he was rated ever so highly when he was playing out the Swansea for the Ospreys um, two or three years ago. And uh, Montpellier were prepared to pay him, uh, apparently, uh, half a million pounds a season to play for them. That fell through um, because of injury, I think. And uh, Dimitri's had a quiet year or two at the Blues. I think he hasn't been helped by injuries. Um, but he, he looked, you know, getting back to his best. And that's important because he anchored the Blues scrum against the Ospreys. Uh, but he also he also contributes um, strongly uh, around the field, so I, I thought that was significant. The the, the Blues hookers have played well um, over two weekends. Christian Dacey was good against the Scarlets, and Belcher was was into everything really um, last weekend against the Ospreys. So um, yeah, it was and just players like said Davis. It, it, it was good to see him. Having a, a sort of seven, seven, eight out of ten game, um, he really got stuck in, and uh, I, I received a, a, a text from um, an Osprey fan, um, just uh, bemoaning the fact, you know, that the, the, the Blues forwards had uh, I sort of really got stuck in and I sort of almost bullied the. Uh, the Ospreys pack. Um, I don't know if that's a fair reflection, actually, of, of what happened, but I did enjoy their commitment and uh, the kid they had in the back row, uh, Jim Botham, had a great, great game. And, um, yeah, so it was uh, it was good to see. And it, uh, the thing is, with the Blues, they, they've got to harness that now and build on it. They, they can be inconsistent. They have one good performance and then if they've got young players, I guess it can be difficult to reproduce the next the next weekend. Um but so I, I was uh, against the Ospreys. I, I thought they played uh, I thought they played quite well, um, in contrast to the effort uh, a week before. You did well there to uh, to mention uh, James Botham there without the obligatory mention of uh, his uh, his famous relative. Oh, yeah, normally, yeah, yeah. Well, normally he's, had, he's had his day as uh, as he and both of he, uh, he 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 shouldn't have sort of status issues really. You know, he's uh, he, he's had uh, he's all going to go out his day. But yeah, no, look, he was he was really good and uh, James Bolton. He, um, he he not only contributed contributed strongly himself. What uh, what I liked about him is what he, he he was he's a young lad. I think he's. 22. He was galvanising those around him and urging them, you know, to, to better things and, uh, and and keep the sort of uh, the boot on the Osprey's throat. And of course, you know, they had uh, Josh and Vidi back as well. And he, Josh is is a, is a big influence and a, and a top player. And um, yeah, as a decide, you know, I, I was reading um, I was reading some some piece on England's Lions and expectation, you know, how many Lions they would have. And some chap picked his, uh, his Lions um, squad um, for next year. And uh, there was no Josh Navidi. And I wouldn't be so certain about that because Scotland rates him and he just makes a difference. Um, he's into everything. He's good over the ball. He's tough. And, you know, he, again, he's another one. He's, he's got this relish for, for doing unglamorous work. And, um, yeah, he, he always puts his hand up for it. And so overall, I think uh, it was good. It's uh, how you end a little block of matches is arguably 
more important than how you started. And in that respect, Mulville, the coach, will um, will be reasonably encouraged, you know, by um, their effort against the Ospreys. But um, uh, they've got to reproduce that consistently and, and, and kick on further. Yeah, I, I mean, we sort of talked about the back line and, and, and how they struggled to, to, to work off. Um, slow ball and uh, and lack of gain line success but I think one thing they did against the Ospreys that worked well was Garen Smith at 13 offered them a hard run in line which kept the Ospreys defence honest and that allowed them a bit more sort of leeway so that was one thing that Mulvihill got right but regardless of whether the back line was, was going forward or backwards with the one man who just continues to shine is, is Josh Adams he's he's the best winger in Wales isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's, well, you know, it, it yeah, I mean, he, he is, I think. I think Liam, Liam Williams would, um, might dispute that on, on the basis of his, uh, of his form. I think it was the, uh, well, it would have been last season, actually, uh, before the World Cup. Um, but Josh is, uh, <laughs> he's lethal. And uh, against the Ospreys, he was up against a young player, which obviously needs to be factored into the equation. He was up against Dewey Cross. But he just looked dangerous every time he had the ball. And and um, the, the, the Blues are two quite sort of uh, physical wingers on the pitch. And Jason Harris as well, he, he had quite a good game. And they, they were up against um, Luke Morgan and Dewey Cross. And the, the Blues boys were coming off their wings um, and uh, Josh is just, uh, he's powerful, he's quick, and uh, he's just like a goal scorer as well. And he, he's hes never happy and, and, until he's, he's scored a try. And um, he, uh, he's he got so much going for him. And in sort of going back to that Lions piece <laughs> that uh, I referred to earlier, he wasn't... Uh, in the uh, in the squad that had been chosen by this chap in a London-based newspaper, and uh, again, I I would be I'd be astonished if Josh Adams wasn't um, in the Lions squad um, for next year um, because he uh, Warren Gatman likes him. He likes the way uh, he sort of fronts up in adversity, and that's the sign of a good player for me. Is is okay? You know, if if you. If, if there's front football and you're going forward, there's loads of opportunities. It's probably not that difficult to shine, but when your team have their backs against the wall, as, as Wales did against France, um, the year they, year they won the, it was 2019, the Grand Slam, and Wales were up against it then, and they looked to Josh Adams just for just to sort of take them over the game line. He was taking sort of restarts. I think he made one of the key breaks to set up a try. And uh, just a, uh, a player who's, who's yeah, uh, really, really playing with a lot of confidence. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to him um, in the season ahead, watching him. I guess that moves us on to the Ospreys, the final region to sort of go through. And um, it, it's the end of a long, forgettable season, really, isn't it, for... Uh, for them down at the Liberty Stadium. Well, it is, and um, they—it's uh, been well chronicled, really, that they uh, their problems uh, sort of have their roots, if you like, in some kind of budgetary squeeze, which um, which happened three years ago. I think they had to cut eight hundred or nine hundred thousand out of their budget, and um, they certain players left the region, and they've been missed. Uh, acutely, um, Josh 
Josh Matavies, he left uh, Josh was on a, quite a, uh, a, a a fair old whack uh, at the Ospreys I think and he left Ashley Beck left as well um, Jeff Hassler left and these, these, these were good players and uh, up front they lost some forwards as well and um, Sam Davis then left um, uh, last year wasn't it and uh, so the, the Ospreys have lost a lot of good players and uh, they've been in transition since if you like um, they had a lot of wills uh, commitments and they didn't have the squad to cope uh, along with some injuries as well so the Ospreys were, they, they've kind of uh, they've been into disarray really um, this season and uh, they have sort of made efforts to uh, sort things out during the lockdown. They haven't wasted it and they've they brought some players in. You know, the headline signing would be um, Reese Webb. Um, I thought Prothero, Matt Prothero, actually had his moments um, as a sort of uh, a guy who came on. He was, I think he was brought in to play in the back three, but, you know, needs must. They, they got problems at fly-off with Gareth Anscombe and Luke Price injured. So they they sort of called uh, Matt Prothero into the mix late on, and he, he seems quick and he's got a bit of flair about him as well. So I mean, he's a player who, who they may get good value out of. But um, I, I, the thing is with the Ospreys, I, I still sort of look at their squad and I I still question whether they've got the depth to sort of. Um, to handle, should we say, you know, the the challenges in the in the depths of winter when 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 they when they got I don't know ten players or eight or nine ten players away on international duty and injury set in as well and uh, and and I still sort of would be a bit concerned that they uh, they can cope. And what struck me over the season really is their attacking game has, has just gone AWOL and. Um, they uh, they haven't got. I don't think they've got a, a sort of mix of players really. I don't know why, but they're having difficulty sort of uh, with their creativity and and it's and it's causing huge problems for them. Um, I think they, in terms of um, the attacking stats in the Pro 14, um, they're down the bottom on on most counts, and that's a concern. They they uh, yeah don't necessarily blame the coaches. I think it's the personnel and the mix that, you know, that they've been left with all over the years. And um it's uh it's something you know, it's it's a big challenge for for Toby Booth and uh, and Brock James to get that right. Um but they are, you know, they are um they are sort of uh you know certainly uh, Toby Booth is is highly respected and uh, he certainly talks the talk. Um Brock James is just new to coaching, but people say that, you know, he, as a player, he, he was effectively a coach on the field. So he'll know. He, he will have he will have spotted where there are potential problems, and um, you just need complementary players. To be honest, uh, Ben, um, for instance, you, Owen Watkin. Uh, I, I thought he really, really tried his heart out against Cardiff Blues and in defence, and his, his tackling was really good. He, he, he was saving tries with tackles. He was he was stripping the ball in in the tackle, and he really, really had a go. You just need sort of uh, complementary players, perhaps around him, and um, and that's what 
rugby and selection is all about, is that the best teams they they sort of they 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 pick players who, who complement others and and yeah for the good of the team and so it, it, it's I I don't know if the Ospreys can come up with that successful uh, mix um, but certainly you know they've. Um, Last weekend's display was uh, wasn't fantastically encouraging. Yeah, and where, where you don't want to get stuck in is is a sort of groundhog day, isn't it? Where you think you know you, it's not that long they got rid of Tandy, and then they you know you, you want to turn the corner. Then they didn't turn the corner. Then and then things went wrong with Clark. You get rid, rid of Clark, and you make changes. You, you don't want to be sort of getting rid of Toby Booth and and and, and back back at that first step. That you don't you don't want to get stuck in that rut, do you? The only way to do it, right? I I, I can remember um, it was a it was a dark winter's night. The Ospreys had just lost at home again. There was a time when they didn't lose at home, but um, they lost at home. And Jonathan Humphreys came into the um, into the car park. I think, and I, I can remember sort of asking him the question, you know, is this project workable? When when you got so many. So many guys uh, away, and uh, I think the, the budgetary sort of squeeze had just started, really. And um, you know, typical Humphrey said, "Yeah, of course it is. We can do this. We can do that." And but it's it's a challenge, and the key to it is, the key to it is is, is having enough depth. I guess it goes back to to finance a good recruitment, and those are the keys. And um, it, it, we go full circle. It, it takes us back to to where the Scarlets are at the moment. They they're in a fortunate position, and they they've got the depth that the other regions haven't. And if you rewind the clock even further, um, go back. Well, I don't know. It would have been about to to more than a decade. The Ospreys were playing in France, and Phil De- or France or Italy. Phil Davis was out there, and um, the the former Scarlets coach and player and Wales. And Phil came up to the up to the stand and he looked out at the pitch, the the Ospreys were warming up and he said they've got us they've got they they're doing this uh the right way, building depth, he said, and um they've got the depth there now to last them for ten years. And and he wasn't far wrong. I think that would have been about two thousand and six. And he wasn't far wrong. But you know, certainly um at the moment they um they're, they're doing their best and they, they, they've got the coaching seemingly they've got some big names and respected figures in the in the back room up there but it, they, they just slowly need to develop their squad and, um, and that goes down to, to good recruitment as well yeah I suppose if we should end on a, on a positive note um, Derry Lake looked very promising on the weekend obviously someone has thought of highly in the Wales setup, having been Involved in the Six Nations squad um, before he'd even made an Ospreys appearance, we've we, we've now seen him in an Ospreys jersey. Um, he, he's a very promising prospect. No, he, oh, he really is. And um, I mentioned Jack Morgan, and he's another one. Really, uh, Joey Lake, he's another one. Or um, something would have gone seriously wrong if he doesn't come through and and play for Wales. He's he's. Uh, he doesn't sort of, he's not faced by challenges. You could see that against, you know, Cardiff Blues. He he got stuck in and, and, and when the Ospreys needed people to try to sort of uh, turn the ignition, if you like, the ignition key, he was one of those guys who stepped forward and significantly in the last minute, it was, 
it, the, the try they scored stemmed from his initial sort of thrust forward. It was a really, really good ball carry, carried on by Tipperick and, and um, Alan Wynne-Jones and finished off by Luke Morgan. But it was it was a kid like uh, Dewey Lake who started it. He's physical against the Dragons. Uh, there was a bit of a contretemps, shall we say, with uh, with Ross Moriarty. And for a young lad, you know, to, uh, to be sort of... Uh, fronting up if you like and standing toe to toe you know arguing with Ross Moriarty um, probably not every uh, youngster of, of 20 or 21 would, would do that and so he, he's got a lot of guts I think that uh, I think it's the old thing with, with playing at hockey you know he, he's, he's uh, certain areas of his game still need to be polished up such as his throwing in it's so, so important for a hooker nowadays and uh I think it's just um, it's got to be like constant repetition and 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 practice, I guess, and uh, that that should come. He's got to spend hours doing it, and um, uh, you know, again, <laughs> Phil Bennett was was once telling me a story that that Sanetli had a full back, you know, um, and his, his his line kicking uh, wasn't brilliant, and he would, uh, you know. He, he was he was trying to improve, but a few of them chipped in and and they were working with him. And it was it was this is back in the amateur days and 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 constant constant sort of practice. Eventually, he he, he made a, a significant leap forward and he became a highly respected sort of player for them. And um, yeah, and and that's what Derby Lake, you know, to respect of his throwing in that needs to happen. He's he's just got to he's just got to put in the hours and. And iron out any creases, and you know, he, he, he may—I don't know. Keith Wood, Keith Wood, Keith Wood said even when he was an experienced international, you know, he, there were still gremlins, um, which seemed to uh, afflict him. You know, when he he was trying to throw in, um, so it's it's a difficult skill and there's a lot of pressure, but yeah, it's one that's got to be mastered. But yeah, if we're being positive, that guy is is going to play for Wales. Uh, in years to come, if everything goes well, um, I quite like the number twelve as well, Kieran Williams. Um, uh, I thought he played. Uh, I thought he played well. Um, I, 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 as we say, but there we late not the finished article because in Kieran Williams' case, he's got an appetite for defence, which is a start, um, and he, and he, he wasn't shying away from any tackle. Sometimes he was making, shall we call him. 10, 90 tackles, so you know you've got a ten percent chance of of pulling it off. And against in the, in the first match against the Dragons, he missed too many tackles. But his his attacking game was excellent in terms of his getting over the gain line and setting the ball up. And um, he's a young lad, and he's he's gonna he's gonna only get better. And he looks a really really good prospect. Um, so yeah, in in respect of their. Uh, those two young players, uh, the Ospreys will undoubtedly be encouraged. And I, I keep beating a drum for him, but um, Morgan Morris again, um, you know, people say he, he might he might not be physically imposing enough to play at number eight, but he is he is a player who, who, who sort of always always sort of gets over the ball. He always sort of makes ground as a carrier, and he's pretty much clean in defence. So. I think Morgan Morris as well is uh, is uh, a, a really good prospect for the Ospreys. Um, 
And then, you know, they've, they've got guys like Adam Beard as well, who, who, who are young, and Harry Morgan as a scrum master. They've got a, a good way of young players coming through. It's, it's just whether or not they've, they've got that that second tier. You know, they've got the established internationals, some good youngsters, and, you know, you, you probably need that second tier of players, really, as well, to, to hold the fort, if you like, when the internationals go away and a few guys get injured. Um, but yeah, you know, Dowie Lake and a couple of the other youngsters, yeah, they, they certainly put their hands up. Absolutely. Um, I think we've put the uh, the regions to bed, probably. There, we, we, We've put them to rights. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been nice. It's been nice talking about rugby. It's been nice change, isn't it? I, it has. It's been... Uh, it's been really, uh, it's been good just to, um, yeah, to get out there and, uh, as we were saying, you know, it's sort of uh, just watch some rugby and, you know, see people that, that we haven't seen and, you know, just uh, talk to the coaches, albeit, uh, uh, you know, under virtual conditions um, pre-game. Um, but when we went to the... Um, the Osprey Dragons game, we actually uh, spoke with the coaches, you know, socially distanced press conference, and that was okay. So it's all been good, and um, yeah, it's uh, hopefully, as I say, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, it'll be a good season for um, for a few of the Welsh regions, and um, yeah, whatever whatever happens, you know, I think it's, I think they got a month now to um, to sort of uh, sort themselves out, have a recharge their batteries, and put an edge on things then for, for the return in early October. I think that's the uh, the date that's been penciled in. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a challenging season, is it, for everyone, I think, just because of the circumstances. But um, the important thing is that rugby is back. And, uh, yeah, well, now we just can't wait for the uh, the next little bit of rugby. That's, that's Europe. And then, yeah, the new season. So, um, yeah, we'll look forward to that. Yeah, brilliant. And, um, yeah, it's uh, be good to see how the Scarlets and... Uh, and the Dragons do as a bit of a challenge for both of them Scarlet couldn't have got a much more difficult assignment or a way to Toulon and uh, similarly the Dragons as as we discussed earlier they uh, they'll have their work cut out against Bristol but still you know it's, it's I always think with Europe that um, only one only one side or say two sides can lift the trophies over the year and uh, it's about sort of uh, it's about the journey for supporters and for players and the excitement and and all the rest of it. And if you get to the quarterfinal stage, then you you that's not that's not a bad effort in anyone's book. Um, even in the Challenge Cup, uh, you know that, that's 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 not a bad effort. And 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 you've got a knockout match to look forward to. Um, okay, supporters won't be able to travel to France. Um, or to Bristol thinking about it, but um, still, it, you know, they'll be able to cheer on uh, in front of the TV, and yeah, it's, it's all part of the journey, and, and that's that's why you know, knockout rugby and European rugby is so great. There we go, then. Right, that's it for today's podcast. But you can always catch all the latest Welsh rugby news on Wales Online. Mm-hmm.